of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 26th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. It's 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. You can... Uh, Contact their talented designers. They can bring to life any concept you have in mind. So you can visit them at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good, Good morning. morning. What's going on? How was your weekend? You know, it's tough. I mean, nothing but nail biters this weekend. Ooh, Game of the honestly. week, three-point win. Shepard, just by the skin of their teeth. Raiders are 0-3, another traumatic single-possession loss. Uh, there's, there's no room for comfortable breathing in this line of work. What can you say? I want some more money this weekend. That was fun. <laughs> hey, so did I. Shout there out. There you go. Love Shout it. Out. Shout out to the Ravens. So that uh that original uh the parlay from last weekend, I didn't opt in for the uh, ten dollar free bet. So I was like, well, it looks like I got to do it again. Lo and behold, I win it barely. The uh, U.S. <laughs> that that just brought me a flashback to like a decade <laughs> ago. But yeah, that uh, USC Oregon State game was a little bit of a nail brighter towards the end, but they pulled it out. Thankfully, I took money line on that one, but. Yeah, want me some money? Got some Giants football coming tonight. Excited for that. And like you mentioned before, Luke, yeah, we had an amazing weekend of football in the Panhandle. You, you know what drives me crazy? And this isn't a dig at you. It's a dig at a friend of mine. The Raiders lose, uh, which thinks They're 0-3, whatever. And a, and a friend of mine, his parlay gets blown up because uh, the Raiders didn't win or whatever. And he goes to the group chat, and he's just laying into whatever. <laughs> then he sends a screenshot of it, and it was $2 to win $7. And it's, hey, and okay. All right, Hey, Kyle. everybody's got different thresholds. But it's just like, you know, my team's 0-3, but oh my gosh, you can't get your McNuggets now. <laughs> well, I, forgot, I forgot I sent the screenshot of uh, my big parlay that didn't hit because of course course i tried to uh put some faith in the commanders and it didn't happen but i totally forgot that i bet against the raiders and i sent it to you guys and i was like oh i should have said hey no no disrespect that i'm you know fading your raiders a- here. A- another thing that we need to bring up to be fair if we want to get weird on it because i was sitting in here watching the games yesterday the second you logged in because we had some issues with the raven games it was third down and i closed you know let's use the computer next play through an interception yep as soon as I logged on and saw it, I was like, I saw what it was third down. I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't do it. And then I saw you click it off. I was like, man, no. And then I saw on my TV what was happening. I was like, and maybe it's, it's a good thing you clicked that off. Gone. Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll get into the NFL here in a little while because there were a lot of pretty good games. Like I said, the Ravens out here uh, playing pretty well. And uh, yeah, I love talking about that. But let's talk about Shepard because they had a big one. Then we'll get into the Panhandle game of the week uh, after that. But Shepard wins at Kutztown 42-35. to uh, It was definitely an interesting one. Tyson Bajan, 456 yards uh, passing. Ronnie Brown, 19 yards running, but that really wasn't what or what they needed out of him because Marlon Cook ended up having 212 yards receiving, and it was just one heck of a college football game. 
Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, there are a lot of concerns, to be honest with you, that I take away from that game. But at the end of the day, you're able to beat a really good team, a team that's uh, been in, in the EPAC East Championship game the last couple of years and probably won't be any longer now that they've just picked up their second loss. Um, and, and Bajan was able to do Bajan things well over 400 yards for back-to-back weeks with, again, NFL st- scouts in the stands. Uh, your defense got stops when it needed to and got that pick six when it needed to. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because these holes in the secondary are becoming more apparent. And as Shepard is playing better and better teams, they can't run the football. Hmm. Now, to be fair, I think Coach McCook is doing things to address that. He's trying to get more unique touches for Brown to get him outside the tackles. And uh, Blake Hartman got snaps early yeah. on and had... Um, yeah, he had a huge reception call back on a hold, mm. which is crazy. They let him run a route. Um, they're bringing him in to try to move the chains as well as a ground and pound back. So they're trying to address these issues. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter if you're undefeated. You know, a, a win covers up all kinds of deficiencies. Marlon Cook was great. And I think it was ironic. It was something we said on the broadcast. He had a bad first half because he was getting force-fed targets and he couldn't get open. Then when they started distributing the ball around more in the second half, he got open and Bajan was able to find him. It was nice to see Ryan Beach get into the end zone. He had a good game. It was a well-played game. And again, while you didn't run the ball well and your defense looked questionable at best, they made plays when they needed to, and they beat a very good team. Of course, you can hear uh, every Shepherd football game over on 95.9 The Big Dog. And if you missed it, uh, here's some of the highlights from this past Saturday's 42-35 to Rams win over the Kutztown Golden Bears. Here's the snap, and he's back to pass. He's looking left, looking still left as that ball is picked off by the Rams. Going the other way with it is Clayton Batten. He's going to walk in for a Shepherd Rams touchdown. Clayton Batten with a 20-yard interception for six, and the Rams bring it back to level turn. Bajant in the shotgun with twins to his left. He's going to hand it off. No, he's not. He's going to keep it. He's got Beach open down the seam. He's across the 30, cuts back midfield, and he gets across the 45, and he's spun down as Ryan Beach fired up after that first down catch as he's back in action for the Rams. That's going to be returnable for Brown as he will bring it out a yard out of his end zone. He's got some blockers in front of him, trying to go to the left side. He's made one man miss. He skips it back across the middle. He hurdles another guy, spins two. He's across the 30 with defenders in front of him. He's across the 50. Ronnie Brown, he's got nobody in front of him. He's got to win the track race, and Ronnie Brown does it 101 yards on the kickoff return for the Rams. Sends Beach in motion from left to right, takes the snap, and he's back to pass. He's looking right, looking for Beach across the middle, and he dives across the end zone. Touchdown, Rams. Ryan Beach on the six-yard touchdown reception, and that gets things squared away. It's a one-point ball game in Kutztown. He's back to pass. Steps up in the pocket. He's rolling out to his left. Makes the first man miss. He dives it towards the end zone. Touchdown, Rams. The Rams tied up on an eight-yard Tyson Bajant run as he lays out across the goal line. Back to pass is Bajant. Steps up in the pocket. He's looking downfield for Cook. And he caught it. And he's got nobody in front of him. The 30, the 25, the 15, the 10. Touchdown, Rams. Touchdown, Rams. Uh, I accidentally stopped the uh, highlights there. But r- nonetheless, that was really the last big one. That was Marlon Cook's big-time touchdown catch uh, where the uh, defender, as they all do, secondary guys, I feel like it's an epidemic right now, uh, that when they need to just bat the ball down, just stop the play, they go for an interception, they miss on the interception, that a big play happens because of that. And that's uh, how it worked out. And then the, play, the game really ended with a uh, Kyle Smith strip sack. The Rams recover it. With like 20 seconds left, they knee it. Game over. They win another thriller up in Kutztown. But it turns its turn. 
turning into a pretty uh, interesting rivalry between the Golden Bears uh, and the Rams as yet another one goes down to the wire. No, absolutely. This is one of the most fun rivalries in the PSAC right now between both these teams. They're both consistently good. Both always there's big stakes always in this game and. It was it always lives up to the billing, it seems like. And a couple guys I want to point out on the Rams side. Kyle Smith had him a heck of a game. Had two sacks and then that strip sack to secure the win. And then Brian Walker's really been coming in his own at tight end the past couple games as well. He had some crucial catches in the Cal game. Goes for 89 yards today against Kutztown. That's a guy to keep your eye on here in the next couple weeks. Is Probably Tyson's number two target outside of Marlon Cook's going to be tight end Brian Walker. Keep your eye out on number 87. And, uh, well, yeah, and of course you can listen to uh, back to those highlights over on WEPM's uh, Twitter page at EP News Network, and you can hear uh, play-by-play over on 95.9 The Big Dog on Saturdays. But on Friday, Luke, here on WEPM, we had uh, an even or just as exciting high school football game. Yeah, what a statement by Musselman. The Appleman beat the number two team in the state 26-23 to um, over Morgantown High. Baden Hartman throws for a touchdown, rushes for three touchdowns. They had the lead for most of that game. They gave up a late touchdown. You talk about... Uh, just unfortunate plays by defensive backs. The Musselman quarter falls down. Jacob Keir goes the distance on a 77-yard pass play uh, to make it to give Morgantown their first lead of the game with really under two minutes left. Uh, and you thought, man, that might have been a dagger. Musselman's run out of gas. But no, they run the length of the field. Braden Miller was unbelievable. Three receptions for the sophomore wide receiver, two of which set up touchdowns, one of which was the game-winning touchdown on a beautiful ball thrown by Hartman. Uh, and then Musselman, they remain at six. Uh, I'm sorry, they climbed from 10 to 6 in the Mountaineer or the Metro News power rankings. They should move up in the playoff rankings because, all in all, it was a fantastic performance by one of the grittiest teams in the state. Here are the highlights from the Panhandle Game of the Week, heard right here on WPM and WCST. This is Shelton looking to bring it out across the 25, staying on his feet to the 30, and a great return here for the Appleman to begin the game. Logan Shelton breaking free across the 40, looking for blockers in front of him. Shelton to the 10, to the 5, and how about that start for Musselman? A dagger right into the heart of the number two team in the state, Logan Shelton from coast to coast. Snap back to Hartman. We'll call his own number. Running up the middle. Hartman across the 25 to the 20. 15-10. Has the edge. Five. Enzo. Touchdown. Hartman. The hero again. And Musselman has the lead again. Will turn. Handed off Nutter again. Bouncing it off to the left. Here's Steph Hartman. Defender in the backfield. Gets across the 20 to the 15-10. Five. Nutter to the goal line. Touchdown. The game an extra point away from being tied. Five, looking to get the edge to the end zone. Hartman, touchdown! Appleman! Hartman again carries this time from eight yards out to push their advantage over the number two team in the state. Now they'll hand it off to Mallet, running to the right side of the end around. And this time he's got some running room as he's got the first down. And now breaks forward, touch the goal line. Did he get in? It's a touchdown! Morgantown high! Hartman will take the snap out of the gun and look to throw on a three-step drop. He's under pressure in the backfield. They wrapped him up for a second. He keeps his footing, maintains the play. Now throws downfield as a man wide open. It's Miller at the 30. Miller across the 25-20. 15, 10, 5 will be drawn down inside the five-yard line by Bobby Powell. The improvisation. Hartman is Houdini. Hartman will take the snap running to the left side. Untouched into the end zone. And the Appleman have the lead. Will turn and hand it off again to Nutter. Looking to follow his right tackle to the 10, to the 5. Stays on his feet into the end zone. Touchdown, Morgantown. Will let it go with Kier at the 50-yard line. The defender fell down, and Kier catches it at the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. 
and the lead back to Morgantown High. And Hartman will take the snap and look to throw. He'll roll out to his right. Will throw towards the end zone. The pass is up and cut in the back of the end zone. It's Miller again, the sophomore, potentially the hero as Musselman regains the lead over the number two team in the state. Will just turn and fire it downfield. Nowhere near the end zone. It'll be batted out of the air and incomplete. Number two, Morgantown falls in Inwood. 36 to 33, the final score. And now the students will rush the field. And it's all Appleman tonight. Again, that was our Panhandle Game of the Week from this past week. And it was a thriller. 36-33, an Appleman win over the Mohegans from Morgantown. I give myself just a little bit of credit. I did not get sold on an MHS single wing play fake all game long. I, you did I, say MHS once, and I was confused for a second. That, that is true. I, I had, <laughs> and I had to correct myself from saying MHS once. But Morgantown, with that crazy offense, the end-arounds, the misdirections, and whatever, that was a really quality team that Musselman just beat. Uh, that wouldn't shock me if that's going to be a rematch in the state semifinal to get to the Super 6, to be completely honest with you. But a statement win for Brian Thomas and his boys. Yeah, that's, a, that's such an impressive win. I, all hats off to Musselman on that one. They've really made a statement. And I was wondering, I was talking around with a couple people, well, I wonder what's going to happen in that SSAC poll when it comes out. Are they going to put Musselman over Martinsburg? Is that is that something that could possibly happen? Is it a little far-fetched? Well, Maybe. The media poll came out today, and it's Musselman 6, Martinsburg still 1. But the playoff index, uh, because Musselman does not have a loss to an out-of-state opponent, it wouldn't. They should be ranked higher than Martinsburg in the playoff rankings. Yes, which I think is very interesting. That's that's going to be interesting there. And another thing too, there's a lot, there's been a lot of great quarterback play this year from a ton of quarterbacks in the Panhandle. Arguably, if I have to pick a guy to lead my team on a two minute drive, I might be picking Baden Hartman right now. This dude is doing it on all cylinders. He ran for three touchdowns. He can throw for three touchdowns if you need him to. He's a gamer, man. He's such a he's such a great player to watch and such a great guy to look at and play. Hartman's on one right now. I'm really excited to see what the Alpine are going to do in the second half. Yeah, the only thing that makes me nervous about Hartman is how he plays, his playing style. He's very physical, which is a good thing, uh, but he's very physical on both sides of the ball. And uh, that offense, I think I said it on the air, it lives and dies through Baden Hartman. And if he's out, then they lose their whole identity. And the way he plays, it leads him. I mean, you haven't, haven't got hurt yet. He's not hurt currently. He means healthy. Yeah, another great game this past week. But uh, it just makes me nervous every time I see him diving headfirst to make a stop, you know, at the at the uh, line of scrimmage on third down and then, you know, standing out there just to take a shot, doing the same thing on the other side of the ball. No, yeah, that's I a dangerous agree. thing with it. Mm-hmm. But that's the way he plays, and that's what you got to let him do because he's doing it well, and it's working for the, to the for the guys right now. As yes, they had another uh, big time win as the Panhandle game of the week. And uh, before we hit this break, what's our Panhandle game of the week coming up this week, Luke? It's an all EPAC affair again, and it's the two darling teams of the Panhandle this week. Spring Mills taking on Hedgesville. Spring Mills coming off a bye week, get their quarterback back. Max Anderson was banged up. I'm excited to see him play this week against Hedgesville, who's got Jackson Ruest and two real. Really, really talented receivers, namely Tanner Matthews, and you've got the Faircloths up front. Uh, the Panhandle now, it looks like, comfortably can put four teams in the playoffs. Jefferson, Musselman, and Martinsburg are firmly in that grasp. And then you can make the argument that only one of Spring Mills and Hedgesville is going to get in. So the winner of this game is in the driving seat for or the yeah, uh, for that fourth playoff spot. Whoever wins this game is going to have an easier path to postseason play. And I'm excited. Friday night, it is Spring Mills and Hedgesville. And stick around after the break. We'll uh, keep talking college football. Of course, we had D1 football in action over the weekend. Then we'll get into some NFL action here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can visit them at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, Parker, let's get into a little college football talk because you're alma mater, the Kitties, as you called them earlier today. And I think it really freaked out Luke when you started calling them the Kitties. <laughs> um, well, they're playing some pretty good football. Yeah, Concord's rolling, man. I'm I'm so happy. It feels like it's been the first time, I think, in eight years or almost a decade where Concord football's honestly felt relevant. So it, it's really exciting for all those back at campus and alum like myself. They're 4-0 for – I can't remember when the last time it was. It said they were – when they went 3-0 last week, so it was the first time they were 3-0 since, I think, 2014. So they, And then they went on the road and beat a team that would have won the MEC last year if they weren't just joining the conference in Frostburg State. They traveled to Frostburg, beat them 23-22. to And, wow, I'm the coach, the, the job Coach Walker is doing over there at Concord, in short order, is very impressive. I was telling a guy who I ran with up at Concord, I said, I was saying it the entire time, all Concord needed was a culture change, and this was the guy to bring it. And I'm really excited. I'm excited to see the rest of this season. Now, looking at the schedule for Concord, the only two games I think that might be question mark games would be having Charleston at home and then playing West Virginia State. Both those teams are tough, so we're going to have to see. And shout out to a panhandle product, Jared Bowie. He is absolutely killing it over that way. Uh, yeah, uh, Gerard Bowie. Is, is, it, is it Gerard Bowie? Jared Bowie. I like that. Uh, 575 yards receiving for him, four games, and uh, – four touchdowns he's somebody that west virginia was interested in and then just kind of cooled off at the last second when have we heard that story before tyson uh. bajan and he's been phenomenal i, I don't don't get me wrong because i'm we're all rooting for what is it the kiddies uh <laughs> but i don't see him finishing his career there he should end up at a d1 school yeah he's been unbelievable to begin the year yeah he's been absolutely amazing time House has been great as well he has 37 tackles on the season so far Dejour Davenport's got two and a half. Shout out to a fellow Allegheny High School alum, Dejour. And then as well as Jack Mangle, their quarterback's been really good. And I was talking with uh, another buddy of mine. I was saying, you, this is a pipe dream. I was talking and said, you know, the perfect scenario would be Ezra Bajan ending up at Concord. I, I would love that. J- just as me as a biased Mountain Lion fan, seeing Ezra line up for the Mountain Lions would be awesome. But... Yeah, Concord's off to a great start, and Coach Walker's doing a fantastic job over that way. So hats off to him, and he's only really had two years. I mean, I'm not really counting that COVID year he had. Mm-hmm. He, he got brought in right before COVID happened, so he's really only had two years with the program. And they're already leaps and bounds beyond. This is their highest win total, I think, since 2016, wow. I think. Because for a while, it was there was a five-year stretch. They went 2-9, and 2-9, and 2-9, and 2-9, 1-10. It was it was rough. It was rough in the last regime. So, Coach Walker's doing the thing over there, and I'm I'm very impressed. I was very happy when the hire when it happened, and he's he's coming as advertised. So hats off to Coach Walker and his staff over that way. Concord runs the table and takes on Shepard in the first round of the D two playoffs. Oh says my no? goodness, that that would that would tear my heart in part. This is appointment radio. They so looking at the rest of uh, kind of the schedule from over the weekend in college football. All the really all the teams that should have won won. Uh, and big fashion, which is kind of what to expect still uh, at this early part of the season. Maryland gave Michigan a little bit of a game, 34-27 at the big house. You love to see that. Uh, my Cats end up winning uh, in Norman over Oklahoma, 41-34. to And Martinez, quarterback, 
is pretty good, fellas. I don't know if you watched it. Adrian had 234 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, ran the ball pretty well. Had 148 yards, averaging seven yards per carries. Uh, I mean, from your quarterback, that's what you need. That's what everybody was expecting from K-State. Uh, and they kind of fumbled the bag there at the beginning of the season. But that's big win in Norman, and it puts K-State back in the top 25. Yeah, it does. Uh, unfortunately, though, it keeps Kansas out of the top 25 in the AP, which is an atrocity. But Deuce Vaughn was phenomenal in this game again. Uh, both traders to the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, lose this past weekend, uh, which is a great thing for college football and a great thing for the Big 12. Texas Tech coming up with that big victory. Uh, but you're right, Kansas State back in it. What's interesting uh, for K-State, or I'm sorry, what's interesting for the Big 12, though, is Texas just lays an egg against Texas Tech, who's not very good, and yet they open as 10-point favorites against WVU. So the Big 12 is just kind of turned upside down which is a bit problematic if you're looking for them to get a team in the college football playoff because they're trending towards that not happening unless it's Oklahoma State who I don't think is good enough to do that Um, but obviously you're not going to say no to that as our newly crowned Kansas State fan that they're able to beat a team with the prowess of Oklahoma but the Big 12 is just in tatters early on. Yeah, I've been a K-State fan my whole life for the last two weeks, and that was a big-time big time win, and uh, I needed to bounce back, especially after their loss two weeks ago. Um, but we have to get to this bottom of our break. When we come back, Parker, you brought up a question a little earlier this morning <clears throat> uh, talking about if we overreacted on Neil Brown. Now, of course, they beat Virginia Tech uh, this past Thursday, and they got a big game with Texas coming up this week. Uh, on the road. It's on the road, right? And it in yes. Austin? Yeah, it's in Austin. Uh, and if there's a big game that the Mountaineers could win and kind of surprise everybody, this is the one to do it. So we'll kind of talk to see if we've overreacted, if we've kind of jumped the gun on Neil Brown a little bit, and then look forward towards their uh, Texas matchup on Saturday. But you listen to Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can visit them at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And well, gentlemen, a couple weeks ago, uh, if you talked about West Virginia football, the first thing you said is how quick is Neil Brown going to be losing his head coaching job? But they beat Virginia Tech on the road. Uh, and of course, the kind of talk starts to change. So Parker, you brought this up a little earlier this morning. Did we overreact when it came to Neil Brown and you know him losing his job or getting his job taken from him and things like that? Especially looking at it now and that they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. So I will re-ask the question to y'all. Do you think... We have overreacted. Well, I'll say this. If anything, slightly. I don't think it's too much of an overreaction. I think there is a reason for a gripe. Brown's been there for a decent amount of time, and it seems it's been the same stuff. And I said it the last time we brought up in this conversation. It feels like every other team in the Big 12 is taking steps forward while West Virginia is shuffling in place. I still believe that to be the case, but the win over Tech and a solid solidifying win over Tech really was an uplifter because a lot of fans, especially in the southern part of the state, really embraced that Virginia Tech rivalry. So that's a really big win to give into the books for Neil. Now, if he can get to a bowl game, I think he's safe. I really do. If he can run the table, but that, but that schedule is going to be tough. You got Iowa State, who I think is going to be a win. Texas Tech could be a win. I think Baylor is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think it's going to be. And then you have TCU. That brings you to six, right? That brings you to six wins. So if he can do that, if he can win those four games, throw an upset here and there, I think he's okay. But if the season falls apart, the question is going to be asked once again, Neil Brown, is he done? And again, the, you have to look at the buyout too. That buyout's humongous. 
this may not be a question we ask again until maybe next year when the buyout gets less. So I'd say slight overreaction, but not a humongous overreaction would be my would be my assessment on it. I think to be fair, what we did say, and if we didn't, what we should have said is that what I said was when he lost to Kansas, we needed answers from the program. And then we were resided to the fact that his buyout was so high that he had the rest of his year to quote unquote save his job to a bowl game. I think no matter what, he's coming back for another season because his buyout goes from twenty million to sixteen million. But sixteen million is still a lot. Thinking about then, you have to spend another eight to ten million to buy out assistant coaches. So I could see him going if he gets to a bowl game, coming back and coaching all of next season, and then we have the conversation as to whether or not they should keep going with Neil Brown. I, I think as every week goes on. There's two ways of looking at it. One, that Kansas loss ends up being more of a quality loss than we thought because they're a really good team, which is true. And Pitt is ending up to be a pretty good team, which is true. And the Virginia Tech defense, Virginia Tech's not very good, but their defense is probably top 50, top 40 in the country. Mm -hmm. And you hung 33 points on them. But the flip side of that conversation is, yes, it could be a quality loss to Kansas, but it's a Kansas team that has a new head coach that's two years younger in his reign than Neil Brown, and they're already better than WVU. Leipold's doing unbelievable things with the Jayhawks, who are undefeated and should still be ranked. So, yes, he's going to be here for the rest of the year. I think that's not going to change, Mm -hmm. and I don't think unless he completely implodes, he's not going to be back for next season because, to be fair to this team, they have the attributes of doing what Neil Brown teams haven't been able to do in the past, and that's pick up good wins against good teams. You know, he has a couple of wins against ranked teams, but all of them have then gone on to implode the rest of the schedule. That Kansas State game comes to mind. You know, if he can go out and go six and six, but one of those games is a game he's probably not supposed to win, like Kansas State, like Oklahoma, like this Texas game, I, I think that can do wonders to saving his job. But, you know, Mountaineer fans, I think we all need to agree that unless the Mountaineers finish with four wins or less, which I don't see happening at this point, Neil Brown will be back for this year or next year. Well, you look at his four years, I mean, five and seven, six and four, six and seven. Uh, and then currently two and two, but uh, Liberty Bowl win, and then a guaranteed Rate Bowl loss, and that's really it. Yeah, and that. So what got, have you done for me lately at this point? And you can make the argument they got just absolutely demolished by Minnesota in yeah. that bowl game, and then mm-hmm. the uh, the Liberty Bowl game they only won because Austin Kendall, who he benched, came in in the second half of that game and played unbelievable, and never been ranked. Since yeah, he's been there, that's either. correct. And mm-hmm. I mean, you and then you can say, well, he inherited a terrible roster from Dana, which he did. Mm-hmm. But he's had four years of great recruiting classes, and what have they done for you? You, you can look at the talent. C.J. Donaldson's a gem. He found him out of nowhere. Prather coming here is fantastic. Bringing in Akeem Mesidor is great, but he can't hang on to him. Alonzo Adai coming over is fantastic, but he couldn't hang on to him. He transferred. You know, he's bringing in the right people, but at one point, does that translate to wins on the field? Because they take a huge step forward with the offense, but the defense takes a huge step back. So there's a lot more negatives than positives when it comes to on-the-field play for Neil Brown, which is the only thing that matters to Mountaineer fans when there's just a whole bunch of great things to say about him off the field, but it doesn't matter if you can't win games. What do you think, Parker? Yeah, and you brought up names as well, not being held of to. And one I brought up to mind was Tyke Smith. Mm-hmm. That guy too. He was well. He went. He, go, he transfers to Georgia. And now he can't play. Yeah, he's not playing. So that ended up not paying out for him. But that, still, that's you know that's another thing. I, I guess to be fair to Neil Brown, it's hard to keep people at WVU. If a die was still here, and Tyke Smith and Mesador, and they were all still here, 
then this would be a significantly better defense. And at some point, there's only so much a head coach can do when Miami gives your player a million dollars in NIL deals and he leaves, yeah. even though Miami sucks right now. Yeah. And I'm sure Mesador is regretting that decision. But yeah, that's another thing that you could say is kind of a, a, a an out for Neil Brown. But we also still need to do a better job of holding him accountable. I think that's fair because there are other Mountaineer fans that come out of that Virginia Tech loss and they think the season's saved. The season's not saved. No, not at all. Tech's not a great team at all. They're not good. They might win three games, if that, this year. They're in a really bad rebuilding spot over there in Blacksburg. So, yeah, it's going to be late in the season. If Neil Brown can get some wins in Big 12 play, get him to a bowl game, I think he's good for this year at least. And I do expect him to be back next year. Now, next year's really when it's going to be make or break it because then that buyout gets significantly lower and he's going to have to have an amazing season if he wants to keep his job in Morgantown now real quick before we transition to the NFL West Virginia they lost to Marshall in men's soccer over the weekend what's that game like that was a fantastic game to watch it was really well played Milo Yosef gets the goal in the 85th minute it's just an unbelievable individual effort Mountaineers are struggling to score Dan Stratford's teams they're struggling in the back line as well uh, with Kevin Morris their captain leaving from last year won't get into the nitty-gritty but I think Dan Stratford, while this year may not be up to standards and they might not get ranked after going uh, into the Elite Eight last year in the NCAA tournament, I'm fine with him as their coach long term. I think he's a genius, and I think they're going to be fine for it next year and years to come. It was an unfortunate loss to Marshall, and WVU soccer is kind of in purgatory right now. Uh, Marshall's one of the best teams in the country again. So it was a well-played match. It was a shame it didn't go WVU's way. So we had a big football Sunday uh, yesterday as well. A lot of weird things happening. Dan Orlovsky getting off the hook for uh, you know running out of the end zone, back of the end zone, getting to safety. We had a butt punt. Didn't have a butt fumble, but a butt punt. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk Ravens because that's the first thing I got up here. Uh, Lamar Jackson goes 18 for 29 for 218 yards, a touchdown and or four touchdowns and an interception uh, in their 37 to 26 win over the Patriots up in Foxborough. It was on Fox, so if you were here, you couldn't watch it. You had to watch the Commanders game. I don't think the entire state of Maryland was able to watch that game on TV last night, unless you uh, did some weird illegal, you know, hacking or streaming or something like Never, that. Never, ever. Uh, not, no, no we, <laughs> Never. we don't do that. But no. Mac Jones, hey, I listen to it on the radio like like a good, like the good guy I am. Uh, but Mac Jones, 22 for 32, 321 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions, two of which coming kind of towards garbage time at the end of the game. Uh, but the notable thing about Mac Jones is that he came off the field uh, right there at the end of the game with what I'm going to assume is a knee ligament injury, the way that he was, you know, screaming was, and acting. And yeah. stuff high when he came off the thing. Oh, it wasn't. They came out high. Yeah, it's likely high. I didn't, see that. I didn't see that. Well, it looked like I'm, got, I'm glad it's not a knee ligament thing because the way that he was hobbling off yeah. and keeping his leg up, oof, that made me nervous. But the Ravens end up coming out on top 37 26. They're 2 and 1. Patriots now 1 and 2. Was <laughs> Bill Belichick's job on the line yet or what? I, You know, the thing about it is, is I was only able to watch that game when Red Zone kept, kept cutting mm-hmm. back in and out of it. I really thought Mac Jones played pretty well. Yeah. You know, Good, like yeah. never, ever, ever have the Patriots put the ball in his hands and asked him to go make plays. And he made some plays. Uh, and, and the much maligned Kyle Hamilton, if I'm correct, came up with a huge forced fumble at the end of that game as well. So it's cool to see him succeed. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's a big quality win for the Ravens against the Patriots. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, and I don't think Bill Belichick. He's he's there for life. He's, <laughs> yeah, got, a life, he's, there he wants to he's be. got a lifetime yeah. contract. Yeah. But even though they're not going to make the playoffs, the Patriots are always hard to beat. You know, and they're never somebody you want to see on your schedule if you can't help it. So you know, and Lamar's getting into that MVP conversation pretty early as he should. Uh, it was a well played game, and I think that as long as he's able to come back from the injury, I would be 
I, even though you said he threw three picks, I didn't realize it was that many. But still, I would be somewhat pleased as a Patriots fan to see some of the throws and the the mobility that he displayed mm-hmm. during that game long term when they actually finally freaking get him some weapons. And then uh, yeah. the Ravens finally get J.K. Dobbins out there, Parker. He gets 23 yards. I mean, not a huge impact, but of course he's coming off that crazy leg injury from last year and he's kind of uh, getting eased into things. But what I was most impressed and most happy to see was Mark Andrews getting involved. Uh, he had eight catches for 89 yards, two touchdowns. A couple of my buddies didn't play him in fantasy over the weekend and they were not happy with themselves not playing. i was about i was great about question. to say that same thing how do you not play the best tight end in football great in question fantasy? especially if you have that lamar and mark andrews duo there because you're getting a ton of points last uh this past sunday but all in all pretty good game yeah baltimore showed up pretty good this weekend it's a great win against the patriots jk dobbins getting back into the lineup is very helpful as well because that's a guy who was looking really good before he got injured in the preseason last year now he's back into the fold. You add that into an option sets with Lamar. It's going to be really dangerous for Baltimore. And then you got a guy in Gus Edwards that's going to be coming back later in the season too. It's the Ravens are looking very good right now. They're I think they're far away the best team in the AFC North. They're one of the best teams in the AFC in general. And if things go the Ravens' way, if they can get healthy on defense, it could be a deep playoff run for Baltimore. I really do think it all comes down to that secondary. If guys can get healthy, Marlon Humphrey can get back up to speed. Guys getting back up. Michael Pierce came out of the game injured. If they can get him back, he's a key piece on their defensive line. If they get healthy at the right time, Baltimore, I really do think, can make a run. They're a good team. I said it, man. Bills-Ravens is my AFC championship game. It's a solid pick. I like that. It's going to be an exciting game to watch, too. Absolutely. Bills-Ravens will be good. As it stands, it's Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals in the AFC North. Browns 2-1, and one, Ravens 2-1. and one. Um, But yeah, I mean, with the Steelers losing, that always helps. It gives you a little bump there. Uh, speaking, we'll get to Parker's picks here after our next break. Uh, but I had a nice couple leg parlay that was all shaping out. It was going to be like for five bucks, going to pay out like two something, right? Then the commanders end up coming out and just like uh, Luke would say, laying a big time egg, twenty four to eight. Them losing uh, to the Eagles. I feel like it was you know somewhat expected, I guess, but not like that. Eagles look very impressive they right now too. Good. Eagles look really good. Jalen Hurts looks like he's finally pieced it all together. He's throwing the ball excellent right now. the The addition of AJ Brown might be the best addition of the entire offseason for Philadelphia. He's the number one wide receiver they needed. Devontae Smith had the best game of his pro career yesterday. He looked fantastic. He's looking like Alabama Devontae Smith out there. And it's exciting. If you're an Eagle fan, be excited. This team looks good. And someone from who is a Giants fan, I'm afraid to play the Eagles. I really am. They look solid. Their defense looks great, too. Brandon Graham looks good. Fletcher Cox looks good. Their defense looks solid overall. And yeah, Philly Philly is a dark horse team out of the NFC right now. They really are if Jalen Hurts can keep this momentum going again. It's week three. Remember a couple years ago, Cam Newton was an MVP candidate at that time. So <laughs> keep that in mind. It's only week three, but Jalen Hurts and the Eagles look very impressive. And thoughts on Justin Fields' performance yesterday and their 23-20 to 20 win? He had I, an 8 for 17, 106 yards, two picks. Not good. <sighs> Not, not good. good. Not good for Fields. Man, Khalil I, Herbert, though, he, he, mm-hmm. he yeah. is him. I feel bad for Montgomery getting hurt. Khalil Herbert is yeah, him. Yeah, 20 catches, 160 yards. That's a day. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I said this. I told this in my fantasy league. I really do think Khalil Herbert's going to steal the job from Or rushing, right? Carries, not catches. <laughs> carries. Me Sorry. Right. Carries, yeah. That's my Caffrey day right there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. carries, yeah. I really do think Khalil, Herbert, Khalil Herbert's going to steal that job from Montgomery by the end of the season. I really do. I really like Khalil Herbert. Of course, he was at Kansas. Then he finished his graduate year up at Virginia Tech. I got to see him play over that way. He's a great running back. 
I do think Khalil Herbert, if Khalil Herbert can't be a starter in Chicago, he will be a starter somewhere else when his contract expires there. So he's a great running back. And I do want to give a shout out to Roquan Smith. He's the best inside linebacker in the NFL, in my opinion. He's solid, has 16 tackles and an interception in that game. Roquan's nasty. He He's that dude. And if he... If they don't work things out with him in Chicago, I would love for him to come to New York, please. I would love I would love to have Roquan there. He's fantastic. Well, speaking of uh, New York, you got the Monday night game tonight. Cowboys coming to town. Is it in the Meadowlands? Yeah, it's in the Meadowlands tonight. We got the uh, we got Dallas coming in. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Cowboys are reeling right now, yeah. and you yeah. guys are rolling. It's uh it's kind of shocking. The Giants are one of the only three undefeated teams left in the NFL right now. It's it's very uncommon territory for someone who's suffered the past decade as a Giants fan. So, it's it's exciting. I'm I think they're going to win this one if if we if things can piece together, the offense gets rolling, if we get Saquon rolling on the offensive end. I think this should be a Giants win looking at the spread right now. The Giants are only favored by a point. So, it's 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 like right down to the wire between them and we'll have to see I have to see what happens. I think if the offense gets rolling, if Daniel Jones can make some things happen, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm kind of in the I'm out on Daniel Jones camp now, just from what I've seen so far. But Giants don't have a great passing offense at all. It's really going to be on Saquon Barkley tonight. And if Dallas can piece things together, they get the running game going. It's going to be it, the Giants will lose the game. They really do. So I think it's what it's going to boil down to. If Saquon has a big game, Giants win. If Dallas can contain him, Dallas will probably win. Well, I'm sure Parker will have some uh, Monday night football bets in Parker's picks coming up here in a few minutes. And uh, briefly, Luke, what happened at the end of that Raiders game? We talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show, but 24-22 losing to the Titans. Now they had to go all the way across the country. It's the only reason I bet against them. I'll tell you that. The only reason I bet against them is that they were coming to Tennessee. Uh, but that was kind of a weird end of that game, too. It was just a weird game in general. They give up touchdowns in the th- first three drives of the game to Tennessee, and then they don't allow to score for the rest of the game. Jacobs played really well, even though he was sick. Carr made some questionable throws, play calls questionable again. They go down the field. Matt Collins has an unbelievable catch to force the two-point try. Yeah. Uh, Josh McDaniel says they just don't start or finish games well. And, you know, he needs to be held accountable for that because there are three straight one possession losses that could have been wins. They could be three and zero right now. And it's mm-hmm. it's frustrating because they're not going to make the playoffs and they don't have a first round pick because they traded it for Devontae Adams. And now they look like fools for extending Carr. But yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's still some games left, winnable games, try to turn the season around, but uh, rough, rough start. Well, Derek Carr still got you some fantasy points for PPR 26 for 44, 303 yards passing. Uh, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but 303. Wow, and they lose. Yeah, he didn't lose them that game, to be fair. That interception wasn't his fault. It went through Waller's hands in the end zone. He didn't lose them that game. I honestly think it came down to coaching and just some disparity on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Uh, but they live to fight another day. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah, well, Taney Hill, 19 for 27, 264. And then Derrick Henry, he that beast. 20 carries for 85 yards in a tutter. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. But it was a crazy football weekend um, in general, really. High school, college, uh, and into the pros. And it, well, continues on with hopefully Giants win uh, tonight over the Cowboys. Because if there anybody that I like to see losing in the NFL, it is the Cowboys. But stick around. Uh, we'll be getting Parker's picks and put a bow on things uh, here after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can visit them at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com, on Facebook, or at their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. 
And before we uh, wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live, let's get in to Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, here we go. Parker's picks for your Monday. Of course, we're going to turn to Monday night football tonight like we always do. So my lock of the day, I'm going with a Cowboys player, surprisingly. It, it hurts me picking against the Giants, but I'm going with a Cowboys player for the lock of the day. Tony Pollard's going to rush for 38 yards or more in this game. I like that one. I think it's a safe bet. Pollard is the better running back in Dallas right now. I really do believe that. I think he's better than Zeke. Zeke is declining and... I think Tony Pollard's going to get a lot of carries in this game, and I think Tony Pollard's going to cross that mark and have a good game. Two other ones I like for your bonus picks for today, Michael Gallup, it's, he's got a lineup for today. It looks like he's making his return after his injury. I got him undergoing. I got him under 30 receiving yards tonight. I don't think he's going to see a lot. He's going to be on a snap count. I think that's a safe bet to put. Michael Gallup's not going to get a ton of targets, maybe just a couple to get his feet back wet into the offense, but... I, th- I think the under is a safe play for him. And then as well, I like Daniel Jones under 200 passing yards. The Giants are the 30th passing offense in the league. I'd say outside of the Chicago Bears, there's not a worse passing offense than the Giants right now. And this is coming from a guy who loves them. The Giants passing offense is rough. They don't have a great receiver at all right now. Kenny Galladay, there's been reports out that Kenny Galladay could be healthy scratches coming in the next weeks. Kadarius Toney is out for this game, it looks like. He was doubtful. So, I mean, outside of Sterling Shepard, you really don't have much in the Giants passing offense outside of maybe Saquon Barkley. But I like Jones under 200 passing yards today. And I like as well just – I think I said it before, the Giants are going to win this game off the back of Saquon Barkley in the defense, if anything else. So that's what I'm rolling with today. Lock of the day, if you missed it, is going to be Tony Pollard rushing for 38 yards or more in tonight's game. That threw my one – my weekly Sunday bet in yesterday. This is what we had, Parker. We had uh, Lamar – Anytime touchdown, we had the over at 44 and a half, which I thought was kind of weird that that line was that low. And that hit really quick. But the one that I was pretty pumped on was Lamar Jackson, 200 yards plus, took the over on passing. And he gets 218 for your boy right at the end. <laughs> and then he runs in, and he scampers in for that anytime touchdown at garbage time, too, to really make me happy. And I was listening to it, like I said, on the radio. And it worked out a couple of times perfectly because I was listening on the stream. Like on the apps, of course, there's that delay. But since I couldn't watch it, I was having to watch it for whenever it came on Red uh, red Zone. And it was it worked out a couple of times where they were come, breaking into the game, and it was delayed because they had been waiting to show it. So it matched up perfectly with the, the audio of the game. It was uh, it was ideal. It was ideal. But yeah, had a pretty good betting day from the boys yesterday. Spe- Love that. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, by the way, and the conversation that we were having right before we came back from break, uh, back after this, which is a fantastic Twitter account, used to tweet out a bunch of Mike Francesa stuff, uncovered an absolute gem from the man, the myth, the legend, Colin Cowherd, uh, from a couple of years ago, saying that Lamar Jackson was going to be the next Tim Tebow and that he wouldn't even be better than RG3. My gosh. And this is the same Colin Cowherd that said that the uh, 49ers are going to be better without Trey Lance. And that Johnny Manziel was going to be the savior of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he was going to be a bigger... No, that was, was Skip it, Bayless said he was going to be bigger than LeBron. Bigger than LeBron. What do you yeah. mean? People are holding us to what we say? Not us. No, not us, per not se, yet. but not yet. Hey, somebody came up to us at that uh, high school <laughs> game. Did. If you're listening... I don't I, find me where we said Hedgesville was the second best team in the EPAC because I don't know if we said that at any point. I said there was a chance 
I'm they're sure. not right now, but yeah. we were confronted at Muslim in high school. Really? By yeah. a really? fan who said I love that. that. I love we that. said that Hedgesville was the second best team in the conference. Now, I will say that was potentially a thing. I mean, Hedgesville looked good those first couple weeks, and they still look good right now. They, that loss was against Martinsburg. That's going to be the number one team coming into AAA. So. And again, well, this would be a good segue. Panhandle Game of the Week this Friday is going to be Hedgesville and Spring Mills. If you think Hedgesville is the second best team in the Eastern Panhandle, you want to come out and listen to us here on 93.7, 1340 WPM and 93.5, WCST. Listen to us over that way, and you can see for yourself, is Spring Mills the second best team in the EPAC? Is Hedgesville the second best team in the EPAC? Is your best? Is your team that you root for the best or second best team in the EPAC? Go tweet us at EP News Network right now. We, and we didn't have a lot of time to talk about the rest of the EPAC matchups, but we all, I think, uh, Washington got their first one of the season. They did, yeah. So congratulations to Coach. They hung a 70-piece. Yeah, they did. Out of state team. Yeah, out of nowhere. That went, Man, the single wing, it can score. Fear the wing. Love that. Absolutely. Congratulations to the Patriots. So we've heard all year long. Fear the wing. Absolutely. And it is tough. If you run that, if you run that uh, offense right, it is tough to uh, come up against. But in in possibly the biggest football news from yesterday, uh, Rihanna broke the internet by just posting a picture on her uh, Instagram of her hand holding a football, and everybody immediately knew that she was going to be the halftime performer for this year. So my question to you guys is. Because I'll say that this is automatically, I think, going to be my favorite halftime show of all time that I've that I've experienced. Passing least. passing up last year's is going to be tough. Last year's was really. What good. What was last year's? It was like Kendrick and Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I immediately yeah, went yeah, to the yeah. uh, the weekend. Yeah, That's that was, was a good one thinking. too. That was, was terrible. Oh, oh when he yeah, had the you were crazy right, cheek yeah. implants. That's right. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> off. That one in the uh, Adam Levine one. Uh, Maybe tomorrow we'll have to rank top five. Like best. it's the Who. It's it's never not going to be the Who. The greatest half Super Bowl halftime show. I, Did you not watch Prince? I, I'm aware. Prince is up there. Michael Jackson's up there too. Michael Jackson's was really good in the '90s. Both both those were fantastic. And then and we all remember the Janet one. Oh, that was for for all the for all the wrong reasons. So yeah, you tell me this doesn't start playing during the halftime show. You're not going to stop whatever you're doing and start dancing. Oh, of course. And That's the, I mean, share her discography, though, man. You only get to pick, like, four songs. Dude, I know. She has so many bangers, all of them. The bad thing is we're probably not going to hear Umbrella because the Super Bowl's going to be in Glendale this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that's, that. That's, that's, was that's probably thinking not going to be playing. So this you'll probably hear this one right here. So, well, this is a good way to take us out. Well, if you missed any of Panhandle Sports Live today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook page and also over on our Spotify page as well. But for Luke and Parker, I'm Jordan. This has been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is next. Stick around. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.